This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. As we open up the playoffs with the Rangers, the Islanders opened last night with a hard-fought a uh, 2-1 loss, but there's a lot of optimism around the Rangers. I know it's a year that uh, everyone talks about the big team and the Bruins, but we'll get to that. We always bring in Joe Micheletti at the time to talk about it. Joe, welcome. How are you? Hey, great, Mike. Thanks. Joe, let me ask you first about the Bruins. Are the Bruins, in your mind, Guy Lafleur, Canadian good, Islander dynasty good, are they that unbeatable a team or are they more beatable than people are making them out to be? Well, I, I think that first of all, Mike, to put them in that category that you talked about with the Islanders and the Canadians and, you know, those were, those were teams and franchises that, you know, won each of them won four consecutive cups uh, during their, during their real heydays. And, and so I think to put the Bruins there right now, you'd have to say, well, let's just wait and see where they go. But that being said, Mike, uh, this is a team that, you know, they set an NHL record for wins and points. Uh, you know, they were just unbeatable from the drop of the puck at the opening start of the season. And uh, clearly they have been the class of the league. Um, no one's been able to solve you know, whatever it is they do, which is an awful lot. And so right now you would put them uh, well above everybody else in the league and certainly the favorites to win. Now that's the regular season. The playoffs come along and things change. It's a different game. Uh, the intensity, you know, ratchets, ratchets, uh, ratchets up the, um, you know, then you concern yourself about, maybe lack of experience in some places, uh, injuries, long series uh, that they might have before going into the next one. So there's, 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 there's many, many other factors that, uh, that take place during the playoffs. And, but, but clearly going in, Mike, you, you have to put the Bruins as the favorite. And it's Joe McLeary, of course, speaking, and you can catch Joe on the MSG Network, the range of playoff coverage. They do it best. They do it all year. MSG has game one tonight at 7 p.m. Uh, most of the first round will be on MSG, so check your local listings to join the crew that covered the Rangers all year, and that's where you want to watch it. You want to watch it with those guys on MSG. Joe, Rangers, let's be honest, they have the goalie. They, don't, they had a good run last year. They played a really tough series. That was a wonderful series with Tampa. Um, they have a lot of talent. They went out and got guys. I saw them play Tampa recently. I took my son to the game when they played Tampa the other night, and they won, and they had a lot, bunch of fights, and it was a wide-open game with a million scoring chances. I know they both had already secured their spots, but um, what, if anything, worries you about this Ranger team? Well, the, the only thing to me, Mike, and I shouldn't say the only thing, 
but uh, but you're right about everything you mentioned, starting with you know goaltending and experience and and what they've gone through and the talent. Uh, to me, if they can lose this series against New Jersey if they try to make too many plays with the puck. And that's difficult for them not to do, Mike, because they have so many high-end players that when they get the puck, they don't want to get rid of it. They don't want to just dump it in. They don't want to put it in, in safe places all the time. They want to make plays. And so uh, if they can get rid of the high-risk part of – of, of, of their plays, of their offense. And, you know, when the time is right, be more conservative with it. If they do that, then they've got a real good chance of winning this series because the strength of the Devils is they are a counterattack team. They force you into turnovers with their speed. They put pressure on you. They want you to try and make a high-risk play. And when you do, they're in a position to get the puck and go the other way. And, and they are one of the quickest teams in the league. They're not one of the biggest, but boy, they can they can go on the offense, and they have some high end players. So if the Rangers if the Rangers are stubborn when they have the puck, and they're not uh, smart and conservative at the right times, that's the that's the time, uh, and that would be my my biggest worry if you're a Ranger fan is to if the Rangers are turning the puck over between the two blue lines or at their own blue line, then then it's going to be a problem. Now, listen, I'm the biggest hockey phony in the world. I don't watch hockey all year, and I watch every bit of the playoffs because I love it. I think the playoffs are unbelievable. I think the playoff sport is as good as anything we have in sports, what, what they put forth in the Stanley Cup, the effort and everything else, the level of play. Uh, the Devils, I know, have a young hot shot. His kid uses a big star. I know he's a baby. He's like 21, 22 years old. Um, I know he's a big star. Um, I know the Rangers have more talent. I know they have the big goaltender. Um, I think it comes into people's heads, Joe, that it's the Devils, so it's going to be a brutal series because everything the Rangers and the Devils ever did in the playoffs is brutal. So, I mean, I think there's that feeling, oh, no, it's going to be that kind of series. Sounds like this series is going to be a lot more wide open than a typical Ranger-Devil series. I think it could be because uh, the strength of both teams, Mike, as we as we talked about, is their is their offense. But I, I would say this: the to compare this Devils team to previous uh, previous teams when they were winning Stanley Cups and their style of play back then versus now, it's completely different. Right. And plus, plus they don't have Marty Brodeur in goal. Right. They had the goalie. Uh, they had the great the, defenseman. We that, that's how they right. played. They, they won by shutting teams down right. and playing physically and just not giving up anything. And then when they did, and of course you do because you play against obviously really good teams in the playoffs, then you had Marty Berdura back there. So, uh, so and, that, and that's not a knock to, to, uh, to Vanacek, who is going to start in goal for them. But Vanacek has played three playoff games in his career, and there's no history there. So this is all new for him basically as, as well. I still think that this series will be a little bit more physical than people think because uh, we, because you've got players on both teams that are going to, you know, take the Rangers as an example. You just mentioned Jack Hughes, fabulous player, 99 points on the season, 43 goals. The kid is one of the stars in the, in the game, but he's also about five foot 10 and about 175 pounds. And so you don't think that the Rangers know that they've got to try and prevent him from having the puck and having finding open ice, if they get a chance 
And, you know, just like they will with anybody else, but with Jack Hughes and some of these smaller players that can really scoot and make things happen offensively, if they get a chance to run into them with authority, they're going to do that. So I still think it'll be a little bit more physical than what people think, but it's not going to be, like you mentioned, Mike, those series from the old days when it's just, you know, who, who, who can, who's the last man standing after a series? Um, the Rangers have been blessed, obviously. You know, Richter was money in a big spot and won the cup. He's got, he got that distinction. We know the the legend of and legacy of Lundqvist, and now this goalie, uh, another, you know, guys had a great year last year, you know, good, really good finish this year. We know he's a, you know, top of the league goalie. How do you compare what he brings to the last couple of Ranger goalies, is he different? Is he very much alike? What 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 is what does this goalie bring to you from your standpoint of expertise? What does this goalie bring versus say the other Ranger goalies we've watched? So I, I would say the the one thing, Mike, they all have in common <clears throat> is ultra competitiveness, and you know they, they were all the same when you watch them in practice, right? Hate to get scored on break sticks when, when too many goals went in in practice, ultra competitive, and that sent a message to the rest of their teammates, and then they brought that forward to the games. So, so those three that you mentioned all have that one trait that is part of the reason that makes them great. Uh, I would say with, uh, I would say with, uh, with Shesterkin, he might be the best athlete of the three, and wow, that's not okay. again to knock the other two, right? But but he is an unbelievable athlete with tremendously strong legs, and his ability to to get across uh, and read the plays, and you know that's a, a thing that you know Henrik Lundqvist, who now works with us and, and does a great job, and when you listen to him analyze Justerkin, he talks about the importance of being able to read a play, where's the where's the puck going to end up going, and can you see that? And can you anticipate that and stay in position until that happens? Shesterkin <clears throat> is lights out when it comes to that as well. So, you know, the competitiveness, Mike, I think the athletic ability, and and he walks around, he has this demeanor, uh, does Shesterkin, of, uh, <clears throat> of almost being a little unfriendly around people, yet his teammates love him. But he is just so ultra-focused, and Lundqvist was the same way. On game day, just stay away from them. Don't talk to them. They don't want to talk to you. They don't want to see you. All they expect is you go out and do their job, and they're in their own little world. And and so between Lundqvist, who I saw certainly more than Richter, um, and Shesterkin, you know, that's a thing that really stands out. Just, Just get out of their way. Don't bother them. And, and you know they're ready to go. And their teammates say the same thing about both. The Rangers, we know, have uh, they have a lot of talent. I mean, we know that. They've, they've, they've done that. But they went out this year, Joe, and they made, they made changes. I mean, they brought the guys in from the Blues. Uh, the game I went to, Mott was very prominent. Uh, I know Kane's here, and you know his reputation. Uh, how big a factor are the guys they brought in? And how much have they changed things? Or how much are they going to be a factor in the postseason? I, I just think they're a lot better. I don't think we've seen the best out of Kane yet. 
Mike, and uh, and I've I've talked to him since he's been since he's been here, and he said uh, you know a couple of things. And is he over the hill? Banged up, and I think is he over the know, hill? I'm sorry. Is he over the hill? No. Okay. He's not over the hill, but okay. but he's a little bit a little bit banged up at age 34. Okay. But he but he told me that you know once he's once he's been here for a while and he missed a couple of games and I think he's got a bad hip. Nobody says anything, but that's been the talk for the last number of years. Right. At, at some point in time, he might have to have that fixed. Uh, but in in watching him, it, the pace of his game to me has gotten better. And he told me he's had to work on his conditioning. Uh, because he's not playing as much here as he did in Chicago. And then there was that gap between him actually not playing any games and then finally getting traded to the Rangers. And so to, to me, and I'm watching him in practice and in games, his, the pace of his game is getting better. And for him, he's been one of the best players in the history of the game of finding open ice and just the way he reads things. So I don't think we've seen the, the best out of him yet. And this is what he plays for is winning a championship. And that's why, he wanted to get out of Chicago. Tarasenko has been a player also that uh, won a Stanley Cup in St. Louis. His playoff, if you look at his playoff numbers, they're better than they are in the regular season. And and that's where you really look at these players. Those are the players guys you like. The playoffs, Mike, and you know this with hey, other sports as well. That's the, the guys the Yankees better, used to have. The Yankees don't have those guys anymore. They used to have guys who were better way. in the playoffs than they were in the regular season. Those are the guys you want. Right. And so they got two of those guys because as they did last year, they went out and got a couple of right wings at the trade deadline for the playoffs. And they, they needed that again this year because they tried Lafreniere up there. He didn't really work over there. Jimmy Vesey's more of a third or fourth line player, even though you can slide him up there, but that's ultimately not what they wanted. They wanted some really high end players that fit in those spots. And so I thought, I, th- I think Chris Drury did a really good job of doing that. And you mentioned Tyler Mott. Uh, this fourth line, and people go, oh, it's just the fourth line. Fourth lines are important in the playoffs. And so this fourth line that they have now, when they brought Tyler Mott back, was actually been scoring for them as well. But he knows his role as a penalty killer and a checker and speed and forecheck and that type of thing. You put him with Barkley Goodrow and with Jimmy Vesey on that fourth line, now, now suddenly you have a fourth line that's that's been – contributing offensively and yet without giving up what they know they're supposed to do. And they're all penalty killers and they're all checkers and they're all, they play physically. And, and so now you've got more balance up and throughout, you know, throughout your lineup. And then you keep that kid line back together, which is where they flourished last year in the playoffs. And all they've been together for the last 35 games or so. And, uh, and, and they, they might be the best third line in hockey as they get ready to go into the playoffs. So, so, Mike, they added those players, and by adding them and putting players in the right spot, they were they were able to take other players and put them where they should be. And then the other thing, they added a defenseman in, in the Nico Mikola in that St. Louis deal, and they've been looking all, all season for a third left defense, and this guy has been really good. Six foot six, skates well, plays a hard-nosed game, and plays a playoff-style game, so... I think all the moves that uh, that Chris made at uh, at and around the deadline uh, have really benefited this team. So um, they, you know, they they've been building towards this. They've built. They had a good run last year. A lot of people are taking a now, and you know, th- th- this is it. It's time. They're ready. They got to make a deep run. They could win it this year. Do you think 
will you be disappointed if this team doesn't make a pretty deep run this year? I mean, is that to be expected, or is there something that still needs to happen for this team? No, I think I think they have enough there, Mike, to win the whole thing. Okay. Yeah, no, I do. I, I think there's enough there. Uh, and, and when you mentioned it, you know, 10 minutes or so ago, when you start start with the goaltending, uh, the goaltender is good enough to win the whole thing. He's got the ability to win games on his own, and they not and they have a lot of talent now. Us. I mean, they have they have a lot of firepower. They have, there's nothing they really don't have. No, you're right. You're right. Again, to me, Mike, uh, and it goes back to when we started this. And when you asked me what would what would my concern be with the team, that's that's the only thing. And I think they have that. There's a, there's enough experience there, and I happen to believe that experience in the playoffs. Means a, means an awful lot. I mean, coaches don't like to say it because then they, you know, because then the inexperienced teams will say, "Look at this. This this team doesn't think you can beat them because of their experience," and they use that as bulletin board material, right? So then, so they don't like to say it. But make no mistake, there's a big difference of playing in the regular season and playing your first playoff game. And a Devils lot were a big surprise this year, right? We talked about maybe Jack Hughes will be better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season. And maybe some of those other players will do the same. But they have 10 players that haven't played an NHL playoff game yet. They have another five that have played five or fewer. They have a goaltender that's played three in the playoffs. And uh, number's not very good. So is that enough to just say this is going to be a four-game sweep? Of course not. Because you, you never know how players are going to react uh, once they get in that situation. But I do believe that having the experience, and in particular for Kane and Tarasenko and Goodrow and players that have won, to be able to share that experience of what you have to do. And the other thing was this, Mike. I think that this team last season learned an awful lot about, in particular, playing in that third round. So they find a way. They're down 3-1 to Pittsburgh. They find a way to come back and win. They are down 2 nothing in the second round against Carolina. They find a way to come back and win. And then they're up 2 nothing against the defending, back-to-back defending champs, Tampa Bay Lightning. And they go to Tampa, and guess what? Tampa, with all that experience and all that talent, decided to change their style because they knew they had to to try and win a third consecutive Stanley Cup. They changed their style. They shut down the Rangers for the next four games, and they win it in six after being down the first two games. And I, I think that the Rangers, especially some of their high-end players like Artemi Panarin, who actually has mentioned this, I think they learned a lot about playing against a championship team and watching them change their style in order to win. And I think that experience will help the Rangers this year. Uh, do you find it surprising that and I know they obviously have home ice, but they are favored to win the series against the Rangers. I mean, they are a slight favorite against the Rangers in the series. Yeah. Well, you know the the, the Devils are a good team, right? 112 points. The Rangers finished with 107. Uh, the Devils are it's it's a team that if you watch the Devils play, you're going to fall in love with them because they they are a team that's exciting. It's a team that uh, that doesn't quit. They've shown over the course of the regular season that, you know, that they get down in games, but they don't stop. They play with a lot of moxie. They have a lot of they have a lot of confidence, and it's and it's all 
led by Jack Hughes. I mean, this is a 21-year-old kid that he just walks around with his with his head up. You talk about con- and I'm not I'm not talking about being cocky or I'm not talking about being overconfident. He's just good. Uh, but but I'm talking about a kid that's 21 years old and thinks he's the best player in the world. Wow. And when you have that, you know, it kind of rubs off on everybody. So so they go into this series thinking that they're going to beat anybody. And that goes an awful long way. So uh, so it's a so it's a team that people have fallen in love with because of their style and because of their youth and because of their excitement and their confidence and the way they you know, uh, you know, the way they go about things. But again, the playoffs are, it's a different level. And Lindy Ruff mentioned it. And Marty Brodeur was quoted a couple of days saying the same thing. You know, when you get there, it's different. And you got to go through it and you got to learn it. And, and so the question becomes, from the devil's viewpoint, can you learn it quickly enough against a team that's got everybody that's, play, that's playing for the Rangers on their roster has, has played, you know, at least 16 playoff games. And, uh, and we've talked about some of the other ones that have played many, many more and won cups. So I still think that that's, that's important. Uh, and, you know, so you think the Rangers will win a tough series. I've always felt this way that the, the team, the home team in the first round of the playoffs has all the pressure in the first two games. And we saw it last night. Again, it happens so often because teams are pushing and pushing and pushing down the stretch because they want the home ice advantage, right? Yep. And the Devils did it. The Rangers were trying to do it. They couldn't get there. Uh, you know, Edmonton last night, Edmonton was the hottest team in the league going into the playoffs. They were like 16-1-1, and you know, uh, as they finished the regular season. And they lose, they, they, they lose in, in overtime last night. Same with same with Dallas. You know, Dallas has home ice against Minnesota. Minnesota beats them in double overtime last night. So all this work you've done to get home ice, the first home game, yep, the it's first a race. series, you lose it, yep. and it all of a sudden flips. And so I just, I just, I've always uh, felt this way. You know, listen to to win the cup, you got to win on the road. You have to. But the that first round for the home team. They have the pressure to try and keep home ice advantage. It's difficult to do. Doesn't mean you're going to lose the series. I just think it's difficult to do, and that'll be that'll be one other aspect that the Devils will have to deal with. Uh, a thought on the Islanders who played a tough game last night. The one thing that jumped out at me, I know the Islanders, you know, just barely got in the playoffs, and they were big on the dogs in the series. But the thing that just grabbed me last night, I thought the Islanders played well. Um, they gave up two power play goals. They got screwed on a couple of calls, but um, they just don't have any firepower. I mean, they, they, I just don't see where they're going to get scoring from in these games. I think, Mike, and, and, and that's right. So uh, Kenny Danico and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about some of the different series. And, you know, we got talking about Islanders and, and, and Carolina. And, you know, my first comment to him was, you know, every one of these games is going to be 2-1. Yeah, well, you neither were right. Team can, neither team can score. Both teams are good defensively. Uh, and the Islanders have the better, probably the better goaltender. And yeah, last night saw, didn't get a give up an even strength night. goal. You know, the other difference that, that was noticeable in the game was the speed and quickness of Carolina. And Carolina uses that to their advantage, in particular with their defense. They try to keep the puck in the offensive zone, and they take a lot of risk 
to do that. So if you can't make a, a decent pass or two coming out of your own end, then you're going to be in your own end most of the night. And, and Carolina is the best team at keeping shots against down. And so the Islanders had 25 shots last night. I believe Carolina had 38 or 39. Uh, I still think it's going to be a low-scoring series. And maybe the key to, to the Islanders is going to be Matt Barzell. You know, he hasn't played in a couple of months. Yep. He played his first game last night. He is the one player on that Islander team that is explosive. Who can score, absolutely. That, that, can, yeah. find, that can find open ice yep. and can make things happen. I thought his game improved as the game went on last night. You know, again, he hadn't played in a couple of months. So I think he's, he's going to be a key. He's going to be a key guy. And their power play is going to have to score. And so I still think it's going to be – I still think every game is going to be low scoring. Uh, and then the question, can Sorokin outplay the other guy and can the Islanders, you know, f- find a way? Now, they didn't give up anything at even strength. No, nothing. No, you nothing. Know? Nothing yeah. at even strength. And so they, they give up the two power play goals, and uh, and that's the difference in the game. So, um, you know, I, I still think it's going to be a long series, and I still think the, I still think the Islanders have a good chance to win it. Let me go back to, in closing, let me, I'm talking with Joe Micheletti. You can watch him tonight on MSG and all through the playoffs as they follow the Rangers. And that's the place you want to watch uh, the hockey because these guys know the Rangers better than anybody. Um, and it's an exciting time because, you know, the Rangers have got big hopes and the Knicks are doing better. So it's, it, it almost reminds me a little bit of the throwback years when, you know, we used to live in the garden in the spring. Uh, so it's nice to see the garden active again and uh, with both teams uh, and Friday night for the Rangers, for the Island. Uh, I mean, for the uh, Knicks will be enormous. Um, uh, and for both teams, it, it, the playoffs are great. They really are. And the building's electric, but um, back to the Bruins for a second, how, just to put them in context, how far back do we have to go to find a favorite as strong as this favorite? Or is this favorite overdone? Are they not as big a favorite as some people? Do you not maybe think they're as big a favorite as some people do? Or are they an overwhelming favorite? I would say, Mike, the, the majority of people uh, in this business would, when asked that question, uh, about the Bruins would would say that they are uh, pretty close to being an overwhelming favorite. Gotcha. The 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 team I think that uh, that that when asked who's got a chance to beat them because of because of what they have, and I, I think Colorado in the West, if they would if they were to meet in the finals, Colorado would give them. Uh, would give them more trouble uh, be, just because Colorado's the defending champs. They've got some really, really high-end players that are, that are tough to defend against. Uh, they lost a little bit of depth because their captain, Gabe Landeskog, who's missed the entire season. They thought he'd be ready to come back and play in the playoffs. He's not playing, so he's out, he's out, for, the, he's out for the entire playoffs. That's really going to hurt them, and then they lost their number two center from a year ago. But in most cases – uh, with what Boston has done and how they've done it, you know, it hasn't just been goaltending and it hasn't just been defensive play and it hasn't just been their offense and it hasn't just been their balance 
and their depth. I mean, you go down and you start checking off all those boxes, Mike. Yeah, they've been and, overwhelming this and year. And they they win last yeah. night uh, without their captain, Patrice Bergeron, who's going to the Hall of Fame as soon as he decides to stop and still is a high-end player. And, you know, they had some some sickness that's gone through the team for the last couple of weeks. And so they weren't 100% last night, and their their captain didn't play. And and they still were able to win, and I, I still think that's going to be a, a short series. And as I mentioned before, if I I think if you're a team that's looking forward, if you think you're going to end up playing them, you're hoping that the Bruins go through a seven game series. That's a really tough series, you know. That's grinding and tough, and they try and wear you down, and so that they don't have days to recover after a series. Then I think you've got a better chance against them. But they've just They've they've uh, they've beaten teams in every possible way that you can, Mike, and it hasn't been just one thing. And so there there hasn't they haven't shown a weakness in their game all season, and that's why they're the favorites. Well, listen, thanks very much. We'll be watching Joe. I'll talk to you along the way. Thanks for giving me a couple minutes. Appreciate it. Anytime, Mike. Thank you, Joe. You. Thanks, Joe McLeady. You can watch him on the MSG Network. First game tonight. A lot of optimism around the Rangers. Uh, let's see what happens. Obviously, you know what? They have a very talented team. Let's see where they go against these young and precocious devils who uh, had 112 points in a regular season and uh, are a, believe it or not, a very slight, very slight favorite against the Rangers. They're just, they are favored just slight. You know, the Rangers are. Just you're getting 104 on the Rangers, and you're laying 118 on the Devils. So you just, it's a very it's not even six to five. It's a little less. So it's almost a pick 'em, but it's a smidge favored for the Devils in the series. Um, a word or two on the Knicks for tonight. I just want to mention this. Late in the game, before he hit that huge three, Hart, what they called badly sprained his ankle. He came down really badly on the side of a teammate's foot. I believe it was Randall that he landed on. Um, He was in a lot of pain at the end of the game. He wouldn't come out of the game. He's a tough guy. We know that. You know the grit he plays with. I would think the Knicks were very open about it yesterday. I would think he's not going to try to play tonight. I would think if they had lost game one, he would have played tonight. Because they won game one, and game two is until Friday night at the Garden, I think they will give him off so they can work on the ankle and get him ready for game three. Now, he is an enormous loss for them. He has become a big part of their backbone. Both ends of the floor. His aggressiveness, his defense, his rebounding. He's actually hit threes. He's shot over 50% from three, which is a big plus for him. He gets rebounds. He had a great game one. He plays a lot of minutes. He plays starter minutes. The team has been a different team since he got here. Now, there's a couple of things that obviously means more time for the trio of Grimes, who they need to play on defense in the series anyway, and quickly, and Toppin if Hart's not going to play. Now, the Knicks won game one because they played terrific defense, 
Cleveland got awful offensive games out of a couple of guys, especially uh, Mobley, who I would watch to have a bounce back game tonight because he missed he missed really easy shots. He really did. He missed a lot of shots he should make. Okay, that he just had point blank and didn't make the shots. I would expect him to have a much better game tonight. He was four for thirteen from the floor the other night. So uh, And he usually scores a lot more than that. So I expect him to bounce back tonight. I also expect them to take Okoro off the floor and go with Levert and Osmond because they need the offense. Okoro, the Knicks don't have to guard him. And that makes it a lot tougher on their other players. So I think they're going to look for, especially Levert, to get in the action. He was one for seven from the floor the other night. He'll be a key. But remember, the Knicks won because they played great defense. And they got huge offensive rebounds. They got 17 offensive rebounds, and they got enormous offensive rebounds at the end of the game. The Hartenstein rebound, and then the Randall rebound, who kicked it to Grimes, who hit the two free throws. Tonight, what the Knicks didn't do well was they did not shoot the ball from three well. Brunson was in trouble in the first half, in foul trouble. He sat out. He only played nine minutes, but he wound up at 27 points. But he'll have a more complete game tonight in terms of filling up the box score because he'll play more minutes. Randall, I thought, had an okay game. He didn't, you know, he you never looked for him to have a great fourth quarter, but he did come up with that big offensive rebound and he hit a big three in the fourth quarter. Barrett was awful. He was two for twelve. He was one for five for three. Okay, Grimes was one for four from three. Uh, quickly was zero for five from the floor. Zero for two for three. They shot the ball very poorly from three, 27%. They got to do better if they want to try and steal game two. But if I'm the Knicks, you're playing with house money tonight. You're playing with house money. You expect Cleveland to make major adjustments here. The biggest adjustment is I think they'll go to an offensive lineup. And I think you will see their bigs, especially Mobley, get more dominant inside offensively. I think you'll see Garland be more aggressive. I think you will see more of Levert and him to get more aggressive offensively. And I think they will cut the minutes on Okoro because, like I said, the Knicks don't – I know he gives them better play on the defensive end. They lose something when they don't play Okoro when they play Levert defensively. I think they're going to sacrifice that and put the offense on the floor. Now, the Knicks win this game. Hey, it's it's gravy. They don't have to win this game tonight. You don't expect them to win game two. And now they're not 100% with hard. And the smart move is to sit hard tonight because game three is until Friday night. And have him a lot stronger than he would be if he tries to go on that ankle tonight because I hear the ankle's pretty bad. So from that standpoint, without Hart, are they probably going to beat them tonight? Probably not. But again, hey, go in there, shoot the ball. Let quickly and Grimes and Toppin shoot the three and see if they make some threes and Barrett and they get, somebody gets hot other than Randall and, and Brunson. And who knows, maybe they get hot from the perimeter and win the game. If not, they come back 1-1 and you get ready for a battle Friday night. But it looks like right now I would think Hart doesn't go tonight. 
So that is a huge loss. But again, this is a free game. Nobody when the series started thought the Knicks were going to win the first two games in Cleveland. All you were looking for was a split. You already got it. Yes, you go in and give it your best shot and see if you can steal it. If you can steal it, God bless. And Cleveland has to make adjustments. You watch teams. Like, if you're watching these NBA series, you know Phoenix has to make major adjustments off what the Clippers did in game one. The Suns got coached out of the building in game one. I'm not going to go into all of it, but they got coached out of the building in game one. And the Clippers, because of Kawhi Leonard, who was great, best player on the floor, stole the game. They got up big, which was key. So the Suns had a chase. Suns finally broke it and opened an eight-point lead in the third quarter and then watched it dissipate and watched Leonard beat them down the stretch. And Clippers beat them because they got huge intangible plays out of Westbrook, who had a nightmare shooting the ball but was great on the offensive glass and great on defense. Believe it or not, Westbrook was great on defense. Leonard was his typical self. He had a great game, all-around game. And the Clippers got huge offensive rebounds down the stretch of the game. So it was a bitter loss for the Suns who look lost and got to get something from their bench. They got outscored terribly on the bench. But this isn't about the Suns. It's about the Knicks and the Cavs right now. And the Cavs have got to get better from the bench, and they have got to get scoring from, I think, LeVert tonight. Watch him. He had three points. He was one for seven from the floor. Watch him have a big night offensively tonight and watch him replace Okoro for more minutes. But they have got to get more from the bench. You know, you see what a guy like Love brought to Miami the other night off the bench, 18 big points. You, you, you need that off the bench. You need a guy to step off the bench and give you a big lift. Suns didn't get that. Cavs didn't get that. And look for those adjustments. And look for them to take a core out and go more offensive lineup tonight, which would mean Levert and Osman in the lineup and, and a core out. And I think they'll be far more aggressive on offense tonight than they were in game one. They played a terrible game offensively. And the Knicks played great on defense. It was a very good game plan. They got a wonderful game out of heart. A very good game plan. And a typical second half that you expect out of Brunson, who's going to be leading the way. And who's going to try and take the game over whenever he can. Down the stretch. He's the guy. And he's going to make shots. He's not a perfect player, but he is a leader, and he's a winner. So, Like I said, house money for the Knicks tonight. Uh, yeah, the Knicks and the Rangers both on tonight against each other. So, you know what? You can, you know, watch what you want to watch, obviously. Um, Rangers are at 7. Knicks are at 7.30. So that's this evening. So big, big sports night tonight with the Rangers and the Devils at 7 and the Knicks at 7.30. So big, big night tonight. 
And then you can hang around and watch the Dodgers and the Mets if you want a little later on. So you can uh, really have plenty to watch tonight. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.